glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about how to read and what to read when you're stressed out and interviewing Michael Tamblin, the CEO of Kobo. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Well, because this is an episode about being stressed out, I'm going to talk about this book quite a bit. I'm reading, listening to, um, the, the Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. It was, I, I'm, it was on our Libro FM free uh, influencer books. Uh, and so I got it because it is uh, basically these short essays by John Green, John Green, the author, um, uh, talking about the, what we're calling like the current geological age, which is the, the Anthropocene. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, basically how humans have completely reshaped the world and the biodiversity of the world. And he he interviews everything from geese to scratch and sniff stickers to, um, uh, I mean, he really goes into all sorts of stuff. It's it's funny. It's clever. It's also like, he's very good about talking about his anxiety and um, growing up and being uh, a kid who is dealing with a lot of like uh, mental health stuff. And so he's, he's sort of like, all that stuff combined with like these very specific things that he's reviewing. And it's great. It's very fun. It's very clever. It's um, it's a little bit. Did you watch that show Review with uh, Andy Daly? It was like a comedy, no. a dark comedy show. It's a little bit like that, but like the literary fiction version of that. Um, so it's just like taking things that exist in our current life and giving them a little review based on five stars which he talks about how the five-star system didn't even exist until, like, not that long ago. Um, anyway, it, I, I'm really enjoying it. It's been very, very good. Uh, what are you reading, Mallory? I am, I, it's funny. I've actually been reading this book for, like, a couple of months now. Oh. Um, it's my bedside book. Uh, it came out in March, and I pre-ordered it, and it was one of one of my most excited books of the year. It's Girlhood by Melissa Phoebos. Um, listeners know that I'm obsessed with her books. Um Whip Smart and uh, Abandoned Me are two of my favorite nonfiction books of all time. She's this amazing feminist essayist. And her new book is, it's literally just like, it's a memoir, but also just like essays about growing up as a girl. And it's really, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's not an easy read. Like there's this whole essay that she has about how, um, how often women are taught to consent to touch that they don't want. Um, which makes it really complicated because we are saying yes to things when we actually don't really want them, but we are too afraid to say no. So one of the reasons I really like it is that um, for a while now I've been, I I often crave what I call like next level feminism because there's a lot of books out there that are amazing and it helped me a lot when I was first starting to read a lot of feminism when I was younger. But now I'm like, okay, I want something, I want the next level of it. You know, mm-hmm, I want mm-hmm. something a little more complicated, a little bit more nuanced than, instead of just like sexism is bad. Like, okay, yes, I get that. But I want something, something that delves a little bit more into all the complications of it. And her writing is just amazing. Bria, you'd like it because each story has a little, little illustration. Oh, I um, do like that. But it's just so beautifully written. And it's, I've been reading it for three months because it's definitely the kind of essay where like I read like 10 pages before I go to bed. And I'm like, all right, I got to think about this. Um, and it's just, she's just brilliant. I think she's one of the best nonfiction writers of our age. Um, absolutely incredible. Um, I think this would also be a really good book on audio. Uh, but if you're looking for a bedside book that really delves into um, a lot of a lot of things um, about our world and racism and um, homophobia, but also just like mostly just just feminism and um, and you know, the intersection of all those things, but it's mostly about through the lens of like, um, these experiences that, that a lot of, um, women that are assigned, uh, female at birth grow up with and like how they shape us and how they really, really affect us. And all these, like all, all it's basically about her unlearning the things that she was taught as a kid that are shitty. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. And, um, I love it. I think it's it's gonna maybe want to be one of maybe the, one of my best books of the year so far. Uh, so that's Girlhood by Melissa Phoebos, and mine is The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. 
Uh, so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Lizzie writes in, just listen to your episode with the question about the couple that reads together. And you said you wanted to hear from people who read the same book at the same time. Uh, so when I was about 11 or 12, I would sit with my dad and read his books with him. This is how I accelerated my speed and comprehension because he wouldn't wait for me. And also how I started reading thrillers probably too young. <laughs> now my... My husband and I have similar tastes in books. We read physical graphic novels, but most books on Kindle. So when we are reading the same novel, we do it on our separate devices. I've, we've heard from a few people so far about yeah. sharing Kindle accounts, which is interesting. Um, so when something big happens and we know the other person has read that part, we turn to the other and, ex and exclaim, remember the time blank did blank. Um, and discuss the scene for a while or once or twice I've been too impatient to wait for my husband to get through a graphic novel so I snuggled up next to him and read over his shoulder I definitely do this to Jeremy and it drives him insane um, <laughs> he's not always good at noticing things so he takes longer to take in the art and all the action than me who can take in the whole spread and the dialogue simultaneously in most cases so it works out really well if he's in control of the pages um, oh hey Side note, I was wearing my all books or real books muscle tee at the farmer's market yesterday and I got a free sheep yogurt popsicle oh. from the sheep cheese guy for being able to rattle off five di different book recommendations of all different genres. To be clear, he wasn't quizzing me. He asked me what my favorite book is and I couldn't make up my mind. I love it. Love it. Good, uh, good blurb for our new merch line. Might get you a free, free sheep cheese popsicle. Hey, yeah. Um, Emily wrote in with a wheelhouse saying, uh, this is the wheelhouse, uh, royalty, preferably gay, knives and swords with names. That's very funny. Ballet. Books set in boarding schools, preferably gay. Uh, books with Moulin Rouge vibes. Ginger main characters. My friend Cassandra, too. Um, assassins, book set in the 1920s with flappers and gangs. <laughs> love it. Well, this is an extremely fun wheelhouse. Yes. I love it. Um, very whimsical. Also, very, very, preferably gay. <laughs> um, I, I, I love that so much because it's so, it, it's such a glasser thing to be like, I like these things, but please make them gay. Make them gay. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, also, continuing bookmark for me, um, remember my Girly Drinks pre-order sweepstakes is still happening. If you want to get a pink Girly Drinks koozie for your cold canned beverage, um, all you have to do is pre-order the book uh, and send it, send your pre-order proof. Doesn't matter if it's the ebook, audiobook, hardcover, it doesn't matter where you're pre-ordering it from. Send it to uh, Girly Drinks koozie, K-O-O-Z-I-E at gmail.com. And I will, I've already started email or sending out some. Um, one of the first people I sent it to actually was our friend Adam at uh, Professional Book Nerds because I was like, I need you to have one of these. Um, and I'm really excited about them. I love them. And uh, if you're excited about Girly Drinks, why not get entered why, why not support me and help me feed my cats, but also get entered into a giveaway to get a free koozie? So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show, delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Before we talk about stressed out reading, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Feel CBD. CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel. Stress, anxiety, and pain. And Feels is a better way to feel better. Feels is a premium CBD designed to help keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free and delivered directly to your door. CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness, and there's no hangover or addiction. So uh, if you listen to the show, you know I have an anxiety disorder. <laughs> um, uh, so I was pretty excited to get these samples and try these out. Uh, I don't know a lot about CBD. And so I wasn't really sure if like I could take it and then work afterwards. And I was like really pleasantly surprised that it doesn't make you feel weird. It doesn't make you feel unproductive. Actually, if it takes some of your anxiety away, it might make you feel more productive, which is pretty cool. And Feels offers a CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose. Uh, so you can start feeling better with feels. Uh, become a member today by going to feels.com slash glasses. You all know the code. And guess how much you get off your first order? 50%. Half off. That's huge. And you get free shipping. So that's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash glasses. F-E-A-L-S dot com slash glasses to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Pretty cool. If you are somebody who needs to do all those things, reduce stress, anxiety, maybe you don't sleep very well, definitely check this out. And with 50% off, uh, you don't have much to lose. So that's feels.com slash glasses. Glasses. 
Since the dawn of time, screenwriters have taken months to craft their stories. But now, three Hollywood professionals shall attempt the impossible. Break a story in one hour. That's right. Here on Story Break, I, Freddie Wong, Matt Arnold, and Will Campos, the creators behind award-winning shows like Video Game High School, have one hour to turn a humble idea into an awesome movie. Now, an awesome movie starts with an awesome title. I chose The Billionaire's Marriage Valley. Mine was Christmas Pregnant Paradise. <laughs> okay, next we need a protagonist. So I've heard Wario best described as libertarian, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, every great movie needs a stellar pitch. In order to get to heaven, sometimes you gotta raise a little hell. Oh, that's the tagline! <laughs> Check out Story Break every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. This week, we're talking about stressed out reading. How do you read when you're stressed out? What do you read when you're stressed out? Should you even bother at all? Bria, you're in a stressed out situation. Do you still try to read when you're stressed out? Yeah, this came up because we were talking about this. And, um, you know, I'm not a highly stressed person. I try to live like a low stress existence. Even when I'm working in a very high stress environment, I try to be the low stress person there. Um, but at this moment, every minute of my day is accounted for. I do not have a moment to go like, oh, I could just sit down and like read a book or like sit down and do anything I would like to do. I have to like be like, don't forget to go pee. Like that's kind of like where my <laughs> stress level is or my busy level is, which is just like the nature of my job. And I really like my job, but that that just is where I'm at for, you know, these two months that I'm working on this particular project. Um, and And for me, like I am an extrovert, but I really need, time to recharge, which I, I think they call that now an introverted extrovert or an extroverted. There's some word for this now. Um, and, and now I, right now I don't have this time to recharge. Um, I can't just like take a moment to do what I need to do. Uh, it's very good stress, but, um, I, we thought this would be a good time to talk about this because we, because I was telling Mallory this. Um, but the answer is yes, I do still read when I'm stressed out because I read every night before I go to bed because uh, otherwise my mind will just keep running through all the things that I need to get done that didn't happen today. So I have to read. Reading helps me to fall asleep every night um, and to kind of like be like, okay, now it's time to put away what you were thinking about. Like I'm not allowed to read a script in bed. I'm not allowed to read something that has to do with the work work I'm doing. I have to read something else. Um, what about you? Do you read when you're stressed out? I do, even when it's fucking hard. <laughs> I mean, I definitely relate to just sometimes, sometimes you just want to sit on your couch, if you're me, a with a glass of bourbon, and just binge watch like some documentaries or something like mm -hmm. I just, you know, you don't have, you just don't have it in you. Um, but I still, you, even when I'm wicked, wicked stressed, I still usually have the desire to read because ultimately I really like to read. Um, as long as I'm not letting my desire to read turn into an obligation, you know, obviously never feel like you need to read for fun. Even that sentence just sounds like ridiculous um but yeah reading relaxes me even if I'm reading something scary so it's the best way to get my brain to stop overthinking so even when I'm like uh, I feel like a sack of rolled up socks and I'm just like super stressed and I had a really long day and I just don't want to do anything um it's good for me for my brain for my anxiety for, for, for a bunch of things to, to sit down and focus on something like you said something not work related for for a minute um so Bria the million dollar question, how do you do it? Ooh, in a very small amount. I do it for about five minutes before I go to bed. It is like I lay down in bed, I start to read, and I'm usually so exhausted that like once I start to really get into the book, about five minutes later, I am asleep. And that is it. Uh, that's pretty much it. If I can have a lunch to myself, if I can have like a dinner to myself, which sometimes I have, I, us I usually end up working through both. Um, uh, then maybe I'll bring a book then. Like I've had a couple non-working dinners and I went by myself and like read my book, uh, actually still reading the Johnny Sun book. That's been like a nice one. Um, and then the other thing I've been doing is that I do have a commute to and from work. Um, it's not very long commute, but what's been nice is putting on an audio book. I'm listening to the one I talked about at the top of the show, the, the John Green book. Um, and it's nice because in the morning, I don't want to choose what I'm listening to. I have to make too many decisions throughout the day. So like I, uh, I want to see, like, I can just put it on. I know it's a book I'm listening to. And I really like that it's, um, that it's essays. So it's like, 
you know, it's, it's nonfiction. It's not going to confuse me with like a story that I'm going to have to like remember the next day. It's super helpful. And actually like we've been driving around like a, a sneak peek into what it's like to shoot a movie when there's still uh, the threat of COVID around is that we have to all drive from location to location by ourselves. So, like we can't carpool or anything. So I'm alone in my car, like looking at locations for uh, like sometimes days in a row. And like, I keep pretty far in my audiobook going to these def- different locations, which has been kind of nice. So for me, it's very, very small chunks uh, of, of book, small chunks of book. That's how much I can digest. Uh, uh, what about you? How, how you read? How do you read when you're stressed? Audiobook is a really good, good tip for this. Yeah. Um, because you don't even like, you can keep your eyes closed if you need to. You, you just can. Yeah. Lay there like a slug. Um, yeah. So again, I definitely take, take it easy on myself. No pressure. Um, I've talked so much on the show about how like, r- like militant I am about making sure there's no, no pressure on my reading life. Cause as soon as there's any pressure there, it's not relaxing to me anymore. Um, and there's so much reading that I have to do for work that I really like my pleasure reading, my leisure reading is like, uh, roped off with barbed wire. Like no one can touch it. Um, so if I'm wicked busy, I try to fit some reading into my day in places that are already a little open. Like you said, lunch, uh, before bed, at breakfast. I think the thing is, it's very easy to be like, well, I don't have two hours to read. I don't have time to read. Um, you know, I shouldn't even bother. Um, but even reading for 15 to 20 minutes is really nice. And it's, it's, uh, a lot of folks can't carve out an hour, but if you can carve out 15 minutes on your lunch break before bed, right when you wake up, you know, wake up 15 minutes early and just start your day reading. Um, it's really, really nice. And it seems like such a small amount of time, but like just one chapter, just getting your brain to a different place. That's isn't your life. <laughs> doesn't have any of your stresses in it. Um, it is just so, so wonderful to me. Yeah. Um, and I just to, like, an hour, carving out two hours. I have never had two hours enough time to read, except if I'm literally on a vacation. Like, so people should not feel like that is an important part. I think, yeah, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. That's how much I read, like, usually during, like, a normal week, uh, not even, like, a super stressed week. So five minutes. I've I've gotten it down to, like, you know, I read on my Kindle. It's like, you have one minute uh, to read this chapter or like, it's a short chapter. I'm like, great. That's how much I have. I have one minute. I will give you one minute of time. <laughs> and I think like that's, is finding the non-stress amount of time, but knowing that you're doing something for your own sort of mental health, which I think is what we're both saying is that it kind of helps us both with like our mental state, even when you're stressed. It's a little bit like exercise. Like I still exercise even when I'm highly stressed. And I, I will say, I, I think, especially nowadays, it's a lot of our um, sort of reflex to be like, oh, I finally get a minute. I want to sit and look at Twitter or Instagram for 15, 20 minutes. And you could spend a lot of your day doing that. Um, and it's kind of hard to do sometimes, but sometimes it, it's a lot better if you, especially if you want to read and you're reading a book you like to just be like, you know what? No, I'm not going to pick up my phone right now. I'm just going to read for 15 minutes and have your book handy that's why it's great to have, you know, Libby on your phone, Kindle app on your phone, um, an audiobook on your phone or your print, keep your print book in your purse like I do. Um, just have your book, ma- make it really convenient for yourself. You know, we, we talk a lot about having like a lovely little dedicated reading corner and we all love that for fucking sure. But there's also something to be said to just being able to read on the go, <laughs> yeah. read wherever you are, have your book available wherever you need it to be. Um, and being able to, you know, sit outside at a, on a bench or in your car or whatever it is, like make a nice little reading spot wherever you can, wherever you can get it. Um, so Bria, what kind, what kind of books do you read when you're stressed out? Uh, well, like I said, the audiobooks, nonfiction, I feel like it's been really, that's been a really helpful thing. I really am enjoying nonfiction audiobooks right now, but it's great because like, for me, my job is telling a story. So I don't need storytelling in my daily listening It's too confusing. Uh, but also it's just like an easy way for me to like learn something or feel like, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm thinking about something else that's not story related because it is uh, a nonfiction essay or a nonfiction book. Um, I also love when I'm reading at night, I love a mystery because I feel like it makes my, I've talked about this in the show before. I feel like it makes um, my brain work through that instead of like thinking about the current problems of my day. So I'm, I'm not worried about my casting. I'm worrying about like the whodunit of this mystery. Um, That like super helps. I think um, if, as long as it's really engaging, actually, I should say first, 
must be very engaging. Very engaging, oh, something yeah. I actually am interested in. I also need some short-ass chapters because I got five minutes. You got you got five minutes, maybe <laughs> ten minutes before I am going to oh. fall asleep because I am exhausted. Um, and then I feel like I accomplished a little something with this short-ass chapter. Like, it's very helpful. Um, engaging, and I want the writing style to be a bit easier and lighter. I'm not, I'm not like... Uh, I'm not going for long-winded. I'm not going for poetic. Like, give me something where I can understand it. I know what's going on. Nothing too complicated. Maybe YA. Uh, maybe a YA mystery is great. But, like, something that's going to keep me entertained, and I, but I can pick up the story quickly. Um, uh, I think that that's my—those are, those are sort of my requirements. Uh, what about you? Short books, baby. Yeah, sure. Give short. me those short fucking books. I, 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 oh, there's nothing as nice and low pressure and welcoming when you're busy as fuck than a short, easy to read. Uh, so true. So true. It's kind of the same uh, thing as short chapters. You feel like you accomplished something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's really it, especially when you're really stressed out and you feel like, you know, um, right now I am like a fourth of the way through writing a new book that I can't tell everybody about yet. Um, and, especially when you're like in the middle of something and you just feel like nothing is ending and you just are like, you're really craving that feeling of getting something done and accomplishing something. A short book is just, it, it's perfect. And it's because when you pick it up, it's not intimidating to pick up you. When you put a little bit of effort in, it goes a long way. You feel like you're going faster through it, which we've talked about, about, about before almost makes the book feel more engaging. Cause you're like, wow, I'm really flying through this thing. But, and it probably is faster because it has, they have to fit so much more in a shorter number of pages. They don't have six, hundred pages they have 150 pages so it's like just you're fitting yeah. a lot of story in there oh yeah it's just it's such a good pick me up i absolutely love it um another thing i've been really into lately when i'm stressed out is um middle grade graphic novels um because it's like sometimes it's nice to, to if you aren't quite in the headspace to read but you know you're like maybe scrolling on instagram for 30 minutes is not a good idea right now it's just if you l- want to look at cute, beautiful things, just open up a middle grade graphic novel. It's, yeah. You know, it satisfies that same thing in your brain as Instagram. Um, it's just lovely to look at like nice art, get a nice little story, something that isn't like super, super complicated. And again, they're still short. So you have a feeling of accomplishment. You're like, man, I just read this whole graph. I, re- I sat down and for I read for for an hour and I finished this whole thing. I re- I got I got a book done for my yearly count. Like it, it's just a perfect um Perfect little combo. I've been reading a ton of them. Um, so you can send your thoughts to uh, on stressed out reading to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. And I just want to tell the quick story of how the interview that's about to happen came. Oh, about. please do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I texted Bria when this happened. Um, so I was tweeting about what a month ago about how I really like my new Kobo. Um, I've, t- I've talked about it on the show. I, I'm in love with my, my new Kobo Libro H2O. Um, and all of a sudden I got a new someone who followed me and it was Michael Tamblin, the CEO of Kobo. And he commented and he was like, he commented on my tweet and was like, I'm so happy you like your Kobo. So of course, as soon as he did that, I texted Bria and I was like, the CEO of Kobo just followed me. I think I'm going to ask him to be on the show. And Bria was like, yeah, obviously. So I I was like, uh, will you come on my podcast? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And I was very like blown away. Um, and we set it up wow. and this interview is great. I, I was very, very excited about it. It's very, one of the, one of the few, um, good things about the internet is just this, like, sometimes stuff like this happens. And it's, I figured I took some great, I took some questions. Um, when we figured out we were going to do this interview, I took some questions. Um, not all of them cause they were, we got a bunch, but I, I told the folks in our, uh, reading glasses Slack channel that this was going to happen. And I gathered, uh, some of the questions that people asked, um, because I figure if we get access to to the CEO of Kobo, why not take advantage of it for our listeners and ask them what they want to know? This um, is this is this basically is, this, this, is a, this may you know win me over to Kobo. This may move me I over mean, to the side of I may be end up being on Team Kobo if if uh, since I mean what CEO of Kindle didn't reach out? I'll tell you that. <laughs> Jeff Bezos <laughs> never been on the podcast not once. <laughs> <laughs> slacking he's too he's too busy going to space um yeah i hope you enjoyed this interview it's really interesting um it was so much more fun than i thought it was going to be i hadn't really had no idea what it was going to be like but it was a blast it was really interesting hearing about i didn't know the origin story of how kobo started um and it's just just a total blast so um before we get into it we're going to take a quick break 
This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Are you feeling stressed, anxious, down, like you're at a total loss? You, maybe you need to unload it and get it out. Talk to someone who's completely unbiased about your life. Someone who isn't going to judge you or take sides on anything. You will be really surprised at how much it can help. Uh, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist and is more affordable than in-person therapy. You should see if it's for you. So folks, you know, if you listen to the show, Brie and I both love therapy and we love BetterHelp. Therapy can be really hard and intimidating, but BetterHelp makes it easy. I have been in therapy for a really long time. I think almost a decade, probably seven or eight years. And I can honestly say that uh, getting into therapy was maybe the best decision I ever made for myself besides like learning how to read. I don't know. (laughs) It really has made a huge difference in my mental health. It has... I, I like I, I can truly say there was like before therapy and then after therapy in my life. Uh, I have an anxiety disorder and uh, for a really long time I struggled with eating disorders and body dysmorphia and a lot of stuff like that. And I, I, I can't even overstate the difference that going to therapy makes. Um, I go twice a month um, with the, you know, the pandemic, I, for like the past year and a half, I've been doing therapy via video chat with my therapist who I adore. Uh, and it's been great. It really has helped keep my head above water in a lot of situations where I was having a hard time. Um, so you should check it out. Give it a try if you're having, even if things aren't like totally overwhelming and you just think it'd be a good idea to, to talk to someone. Maybe there's a specific issue like anxiety or depression that you want to work at or like stress with work. Or maybe you just are curious and want to see if it's for you. Um, So this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And Reading Glasses listeners get 10% off their first month, whole month, at BetterHelp.com slash glasses. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash glasses. And you can have your first session in under 48 hours. That is wicked quick. That's like faster than it it would take for a book that you bought online to get mailed to your house. It's pretty cool. So it's betterhelp.com slash glasses. Glasses. Hey, I'm Jordan Morris, creator of the Max Fun scripted sci-fi comedy podcast, Bubble. We just released a special episode of Bubble to celebrate the launch of our new graphic novel. At SF Sketchfest in 2019, we recorded a live show with Allison Becker, Eliza Skinner, Mike Mitchell, Christella Alonzo, and special guests Gene Gray, Jonathan Colton, Jesse Thorne, Nick Weiger, and a bunch of other cool folks. We suspect he'll show signs of mutation when in a state of excitement. Now, Annie matched with him on Tinder, so she's going to act as the honeypot. I do enjoy being called a honeypot. Hey, you know what's better than honey? Gravy. (gasps) Oh, yeah, can I be the gravy sack? Out now on MaximumFun.org and wherever you get podcasts. And pick up the graphic novel at your local bookstore today. So here we are with Michael Tamblin, the CEO of Kobo. We're so excited to have Michael on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. And I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So first question, most important, what are you reading right now? Okay, it's it's summertime. So it, it's a, it's like fast and furious reading right now. The, the, the one that just finished this weekend, uh, Ring Shout by p de jelly clark oh my gosh we love him on the show (laughs) oh if you if you if people have not read this book they have to the klu klux klan are actually demons with pointy heads hiding under sheets who aim to destroy the world and the descendants of freed slaves have to fight them and save humanity um so i've got a i know i've got a a podcast called cobone conversation that uh, he's going to be appearing on as a guest suit, and I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, we will uh, absolutely link to that when it comes out. That sounds amazing. So there's that one, uh, The Calculating Stars by Mary uh, Robinette Kowal. An oh, alternate also history. very, very good. Yeah, Alternate History of Space Travel with Women Astronauts. Peter Watts's Blind Sight. Uh, Ooh, I don't know that one. Oh, so a spaceship full of very neurodivergent astronauts make first contact with alien life. Wow. And, yeah. So you absolutely have to read it first in a series. And then the 
Um, and then the last one, a uh, book called Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. Oh, I've uh, heard her hearing so much about that. It's actually on my Overdrive um, uh, uh, holds list on my Kobo. <laughs> get, get on it. Uh, a cis woman, a detransitioned man, and a trans woman decide to have a baby together. It's a modern American family until it isn't. She was a Kobo Conversation guest, and it was such an insightful read about more the edges of trans life and families and aging trans. She knocked it out of the park with that book. It was fantastic. So there's there's four that just came off the, just moved from the to be read to the red pile. Amazing. Uh, so we're talking a lot about Kobo's. Can you tell us a little bit about Kobo? Yeah. Kobo is the the little ebook engine that could, although we're probably bigger than a lot of people think. After Amazon, we're the largest ebook e-reader ecosystem in the world, but we grew up in a very different way. We were literally started in the basement of a bookstore. We were a skunkworks project for Indigo, who's the kind of like the Barnes and Noble of Canada. Um, and it was we started to answer this question of how could bookstores go digital? How could uh, bookstores that already have customers, already have a connection to the reading world um, and are sort of physical and e-commerce kind of get into that ebook space? So it started in Canada, but then that was a question that a lot of bookstores were trying to figure out. So we walked that model all over the world. And what I think most people don't know is that there are really only a couple of countries where Amazon runs the table for ebooks. One is in the US, the other is the UK, and then just about everywhere else. It's a way, way more competitive market. And in every one of those countries, there's a traditional bookstore, usually a chain or an e-commerce site that is duking it out with Amazon, Apple, and Google and absolutely holding their own. And we're the ones who help them. So they adopt Kobo as their e-reading service. We give them amazing e-readers and a giant global catalog of books and indie authors and all the things they need to keep their customers. And it works because we thought that you could create a great ebook experience without killing booksellers. Uh, you could actually, <laughs> you know, you could actually use it to, you know, to help them and to kind of make that uh give them the ability to offer that choice to the customers they already have. So we make beautiful e-readers and apps uh, and, uh, and we empower them to do that. And we do it all because we're readers. Like, you know, we try to follow that passion and make life better for people who put books right in the middle of their lives. And so we're not doing it so we can also sell you batteries or ads or you know, a phone. <laughs> or go, or go to space. <laughs> That's right. Like, you know, we start with this crazy question of what could a perfect reading experience be like? And then we try to build that. And that's that's what gets us up in the morning. So that perfectly leads me to my next question. And this is part of the reason why I got a Kobo is because Kobo also supports indie bookstores. Can you talk a little bit about how that process works? Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. And it's been, a, I would say, a, a long and winding road with independent bookstores. We have a slightly more complicated deal than I would like with the American Booksellers Association, uh, who represent independent bookstores that we're trying to make easier and simpler for booksellers. Uh, the bookseller goes to the ABA, they get, um, and then get links from their site to us. And when we detect that someone is coming to Kobo from an indie bookseller, then that bookseller gets the revenue from, uh, gets revenue from that customer, they get a share of those sales. And not just on that one sale, but on every ebook sale that that customer makes going forward. So it's not kind of like a one-time transactional thing. It's like, okay, this is your customer that we're serving with eBooks. You're going to continue to make revenue off of them, whether they come back through you or they come to us. Um, but I'm really hoping that we can make that program better. I'm a former indie bookseller. There are lots of indie alumni working at Kobo, and we really want to get them in the digital game, especially because it let's indies keep a hand in categories that are really going digital hard. You know, there's a, there's a reason that most indie stores don't have a big romance section and that fewer have big mystery or sci-fi fantasy sections. You know, it's a lot of shelf space to maintain a really good comprehensive section at the low price points that paperbacks offer. So 
we want to keep them in that part of the business that is going digital quickly. And at the same time, it also creates a connection between independent stores and independent authors who are almost all digital. And that should be a match made in heaven, but they're kind of living on two different clouds right now. So if we could jam them together, that would be fantastic. So it's a, I'd say it's like an ongoing, long evolving process, but we want to, we want to keep them in the game if we can. That is awesome. So we, uh, there's a lot of Kobo owners, Kobo readers in the reading glasses community. And so I collected some listener questions. And one of the big things that people are excited about, obviously folks love using overdrive with their Kobos. I love it. I think it's so, so easy. Um, but a few folks were wondering if, uh, there are plans to integrate Libby into, uh, the Kobo interface. At, at this moment, no, um, not for not for lack of wanting to, but Overdrive has a, a set of interfaces that we use uh, to connect Kobo e-readers to the Overdrive service. And the software that powers the Overdrive app is the same that we use to hook into Kobo e-readers. So the Kobo e-reader experience is really good. It does mean that if you wanted to use the use an app to manage returns or holds or stuff like that, uh, you would need to use, use the Overdrive app for it, but it's all the same books. Every Libri, Libby library is also an Overdrive library, uh, and we have a pretty good standalone uh, interface right inside the Kobo e-reader itself. So uh, so you can do a lot of the things that you want to do with you know, either looking for books inside the library or managing holds uh, in, the, uh, in the e-reader without using any app at all. So we'll do our best. Awesome. Uh, so one thing we talk about on the show pretty frequently is how Kobo has really become the most popular alternative to Kindle. Uh, we, I, I'd love to know how Kobo sort of plans to keep supporting authors and indie bookstores while competing with Amazon. It seems sort of an impossible task. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because the one of the things I find really cool about eBooks is how it eliminates a lot of the the natural advantages that Amazon has. You know, when you when you think about it, yeah, you know, what are they really really good at? They're good at uh, making things super cheap if they can. They're really good at logistics. They're good at shipping things around. Uh, they're you know they're good at um, kind of collecting and amalgamating a giant collection of different kinds of products. Um, in the in the ebook world, you know, we have most of the same products from publishers and independent bookstores. And so the selection piece isn't there the same way. Um, the pricing side, uh, you know, we have books that are fixed at agency uh, prices from uh, from traditional publishers. Indies tend to try to keep their books at the same price everywhere. Uh, so that uh, advantage goes away. We're all moving product digitally, so warehouses don't help you. So really it comes down to can you create a great experience that a reader likes and and that's one of the things that we're really good at so we spend most of our time talking to people who are customers looking at um you know, looking at all of the different parts of the reading experience and we ask two questions like what could help someone read more or what's a barrier that we can take away that makes it easier for people to read more often and because we don't have to worry about all of the other stuff of like trying to conquer the world, uh, we can just focus on doing those things really well. And it's the, you know, it's the same kind of impulse that has someone walking into an independent bookstore, which is you're animated as much by the passion that people have for the thing that they're selling um, and the focus that they have on, on trying to create a beautiful version of that experience. Uh, I think that same thing comes through with us and it, you know, it seems to be working because it's like 10 years and we're still here <laughs> and we're still getting bigger all the time. And, uh, um, and both publishers and authors and, uh, uh, and readers seem really happy with us. So one last listener question that someone wanted to know is if the rumors about a color Kobo screen are true. I, I think we've got to get way more creative with uh, with leaking stuff. So here's a, <laughs> so here's a here's a product announcement. You heard it here first. The next Kobo e-reader uh, will be mint flavored. Uh, <laughs> it'll, uh, uh, it'll be color, but only in the ultraviolet spectrum. 
you can only read uh, it at range. Uh, yeah, you. Um, it, it will grow and shrink with the phases of the moon. Uh, and I'm in. Uh, Take my money. Yeah, yeah, it'll uh, it'll cure psoriasis and turn a sandwich <laughs> into a banquet. So, you know, let's so let's see what the tech bloggers do with that. I, but uh, but let me turn the question around. You know, your you know, you're a serious eater, e-reader, your ebook people, tablets can do color today, so you can read graphic novels and manga and design books or cookbooks on a on a Kobo app on an Android or an iOS tablet right now. What would a color e-reader need to do or what would it need to be to be interesting to you? That's a great question. Uh, well, I think the big thing for a lot that we hear from a lot of listeners is the graphic novel reading. Right. Um, but I didn't realize that there was a Kobo app. I think maybe if a Kobo e-reader had color, it would have to be something sort of bigger, a little more expensive. But if there was something that was specifically created for the graphic no novel experience, but you could also just read regular you know, uh, novels or whatever, non-graphic, non-graphic novels. Uh, <laughs> that would be something pretty exciting for, for, for readers. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting use case because we have a, we have a ton of experience with, uh, graphic novels through our business in Japan. Japan's one of our largest countries that we operate in and, uh, and more than 60% of what we sell there are manga, are you know, graphic novels almost all of it is uh is a smartphone market so it's not even a tablet world and uh and some of that is because publishers have optimized to a smartphone format like they recognize that this is how you know people are reading on their way to work it's how they consume a lot of their digital content is on smartphones and um and it's even though um a, a surprising amount of that graphic novel content in black and white because a lot of the the kind of the big traditional manga are in black and white, but uh, but it's given us a lot of really interesting insights into how people um, engage with graphic novel content, and uh, and the thing that we know is different about the North American and the European experience is you know it's very color focused so. It's a, it's something that we're definitely keeping an eye on, but like, I think you're right. There's something about, um, you know, if you're going to do color, you've got to do it in ways that preserve all of the things that are good about an e-reader mm -hmm. as opposed to just turning it into kind of a not as good tablet. Yes. And that's, <laughs> and that's, and, and I know that for like for e-readers right now, one of the things that really pulls people towards it is that it is this focused uninterrupted experience like you oh, don't yeah. have your so you know, good. <laughs> yeah you you don't have all of your text messages and alerts and weird things, like just kind of jamming at you from the corners um and so you'd want to be able to preserve all of that and the other thing that people really like about e-readers is this very uh, kind of paper-like fidelity to um uh to the content so could you bring that forward as well? So like, those are some of the things that you, we start to wrestle with when we're looking at what would make a good color experience. And yeah, so we, yeah, we're constantly talking with different kinds of screen suppliers and you know, people working in that field to see, is there anybody that can really land that the way that, um, that e-ink does for the black and white experience that makes you know novels and nonfiction work so well on e-readers so yeah we never stop looking so speaking of international things um one thing that we heard from a bunch of our canadian listeners is how much they love the kobo plus uh program is there are there any plans to expand that beyond canada <laughs> there uh there are i can't speak to individual territories right now but uh it's been really really popular we started it in netherlands that was the kind of the first place we did it yeah and uh uh and for a bunch of reasons like the netherlands both a uh it's a market where we're really strong so we have great relationships with publishers and authors there um it also has some of the highest piracy rates in europe for ebooks oh no and and so it let us have some of those conversations with publishers that you know, Spotify had with, you know, with record labels to say, hey, you have a whole block of customers right now who, uh, who aren't paying anything. Could we make a better experience? Could we make 
a subscription offering that brought some of those people into the fold and became, you know, become paying customers. And, uh, and it worked. So it was really successful there. We've then taken that model and we brought it to Canada. And now we're starting to look at our next list of countries and see where we should drop it next. So stay tuned. Very exciting. Uh, so this last question is for you uh, about, about your own personal reading uh, yeah. habits. What is your reader wheelhouse? That is any group of subjects, tropes, whatever it is that if you see it in a book, you have to pick that book up. So I am a, I'm a deep diver. I do these three to six month expeditions Ooh. into like a topic or a genre or an author. And I go Deep. So it could be fiction, could be nonfiction. I just finished three months of, I don't know how you describe, like hidden magical worlds in London. So Ooh. it was like Gaiman and Aronovich and V. Schwab and you know all of those folks. I was kind of missing pre-pandemic travel, and it sort of helped to scratch oh, that itch. <laughs> yeah, and there was three months where I read everything I could about container shipping like the box and 90% of everything and all of these books about, you know, kind of the world of global logistics. I spent six months reading only romance novels. Yeah. Julia Quinn, Eloisa James, Lisa Kleepas, like how that got started was a long story, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was totally illuminating because it's such a big part of our business. And, and then at the end of any one of these, I kind of wash up like half drowned and exhausted and and like <laughs> where am i yeah yeah and then i take a break sort of rereading stuff that i've liked in the past and then something grabs me and i dive in again but it's funny because it's one of the reasons that i started the the podcast Kaboom conversation was to make sure that i spent as much time out of my wheelhouse as in it so it makes me read more broadly the you know the team is throwing books at me and throwing authors at me and you know when I just kind of catch them and say okay let's learn about dinosaurs let's learn about cosmology and astrophysics let's you know let's talk to Julia Quinn about Bridgerton and then like you um, um, so it's like little micro deep dives that are one book long and then I get to go back to the world so yeah that's that tends to be how I mismanage my reading life. I love it. That is so cool. So finally, for folks, where's the best place to buy a Kobo? I think I bought mine from the Kobo, from like Kobo.com. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that's the best place to go. www.kobo.com. We will fix you right up. Amazing. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. This was a fantastic interview. <laughs> no, it was so great. Thanks for having me. Now let's answer a bookish question from one of our listeners. Jeremy writes in, not my boyfriend, even though from this question, it could be. I was going to make that joke. Um, I was actually going to make that joke. <laughs> so my boyfriend is extremely into what this question is about. Um, so Jeremy writes in, do you guys count books like D&D books as reading? I've read close to a two foot high stack of books since COVID started for games I've been running online. Um, oh, my wheelhouse is Absurdity, normally in a sci-fi context, um, Ultimate Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Hollow Kingdom, and The City We Became. Hmm. Pretty much books where the things that are completely out of the norm just become accepted. Um, Bria, what do you think? Did D&D books count as reading? Yeah, of course. I love this. It's a how-to book. That's, that's, uh, it's interesting. I've never, so I play D&D. Mallory and I both play D&D. I play, um, on Friday nights since quarantine, but I've been with this group, now we've expanded because you can play online, which is great. So now we have people from all over the United States, which is fun. Um, but we play on Fridays. We used to play at a pizza place every Sunday before before COVID. Um, but I've been on and off. My my brother's my DM. We had another group for a couple of years before that. Anyway, um, I think it definitely counted. I've never I've I've never read like the player's handbook start to finish or anything like that. I don't know if you have Mallory. Um but I know that if someone is the DM and they're uh, planning a campaign, they might be reading something more start to finish. Or I don't know if you're just like into reading D&D books start to finish. Like good for <laughs> you. I mean, even if you've read most of it, I will say I don't even think I've read most. I mean, I've read like the chapters that are relevant to me, which I guess says a lot about me. And I've read a lot of the monster guide one. So I've read I've read quite a few chapters, but I don't know if I'd count it as something I've read, read. It feels more like a reference book to me for that. That's what I use it for. But if you're taking that shit start to finish, first of all, good for you. Very impressive. I always feel like I haven't read enough of mine. And then my brother is like, you didn't read this part. And I'm like, I guess I did not. 
Um, so yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, Mallory, how do you think? I feel like you agree. They better fucking count. My boyfriend has about a hundred million of them and I had to carry them all up this mountain. Um, <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend literally has like a bookcase full of D and D and Warhammer books. Um, but yeah, I totally think so. Why the fuck not? It's a book. Sure. It's a book about crafting a story. It's more of like a manual, but I still think it counts. It's teaching you something. It has a little narrative. It's definitely the fucking length and and weight of a book, probably heavier. Um, I would, the dread in my heart every time I saw one of Jeremy's Warhammer book boxes that I had to carry into the house, um, I think of a self-help book counts as a book. A D&D book counts oh, as a yeah, book. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because it's, you know they're both I mean? manual. Yeah, you're right. They're manuals. They're how-tos. Like, you know, you could put the D&D 5th edition next to any Brene Brown. Like, <laughs> lean into those monsters. Like, it's the same thing, though. It's a manual. It's it's a book. Like, if you're reading a whole D&D book, I totally would count it towards your yearly reading goal. Um, because... Yeah, you could be like, oh, well, it doesn't tell a whole story, but like there, there's a bazillion nonfiction books that are that are more referencey that totally count as books. Just because it's a game book doesn't mean it's not a real book. Um, Jer- Jeremy, up your re- up, up. If you have a two foot, I'm gonna say two feet. That's probably twenty to thirty D and D books. Yeah, add those the, add those motherfuckers to your yearly reading count. Right, and think about cookbooks. Sure. We talk about cookbooks all the time. You're like, you know, oh, and yeah. like that's a very much a reference book. Um, but we talk about cookbooks. I mean, they definitely count. They definitely count. And I think if you if you spend a lot of time going over it and you've read a lot of the book, count that towards your yearly reading goal. But I think I think Jeremy just wants to know: Do they count generally? And I'm like, yeah. Yes. All books are real books. Okay. That is a central tenet of reading glasses. And I mean, if we're, if we're going just by heft, I mean, D and D books are almost more books, you know, they're huge. They're, I mean, it's basically, it's like a self-help book mixed with a coffee table book, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I think we're in agreement. Uh, so here. if you want us, <laughs> if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can, or answer your bookish question, we can, you could just send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember you can buy reading glasses, tote bags, notebooks, pillows, coasters, stickers, hats, sweatshirts, almost anything you can imagine in our new uh, void merge collaboration store. We're completely obsessed. Uh, There's a link in the show notes, check them out. Um, And if you have already bought stuff, folks, please send us photos. We've been getting tagged in a bunch of really, really cool photos of people who have their new t-shirts, stickers, um, mugs, um, pillows on their couches. We love to see it. Um, And if you want to do something for us for free, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Truly every single review especially the five-star ones. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, count, they, they impress advertisers. They impress future listeners. We've all done that thing where we've looked at a podcast and we went, oh no, they only have two reviews. Maybe not good. But the more like people see how many reviews we have and they're like, wow, a lot of people must like this show. And it really, really makes a difference for us. It takes you only 30 seconds. If you haven't taken the time to do it, please, please do so now. It really, really means a lot to us. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.